0: Judah reminded me that uh, the answer to every children's question you ask kids is God. God or Jesus, and you're in good shape, right? All right, let's pray. Lord, as I open your word, um, it's you we need to hear. So as I preach, may there be less of me and more of you. Your word is transformative, and we thank you for that. So help us to hear all that you have to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I came across an interesting quote uh, in preparation for the sermon. um, And I just thought it was interesting and worth looking at. Despite our efforts to keep him out, God intrudes. The life of Jesus is bracketed by two impossibilities. A virgin's womb and an empty tomb. Jesus entered our world, the door marked no entrance, and left through a door marked no exit. Now, when we um, and, and we're going to look at the at the first step, we're going to look at the impossibility of the virgin's womb. Um, I'm going to go backwards. Um, when we come to the Christmas story, we have to realize and Mark mentioned it last week that there have been 400 years of silence. Nothing. No prophets, no word from the Lord, nothing. Just silence. How many of you have seen Apollo 13? Raise your hand. Let me see. Yeah? Okay. So you know a little bit about about Apollo 13. One evening, Apollo 13, when the crew was 200,000 miles from Earth and closing in on the Moon, mission controller Cy Liebergott, I think how you say his name, saw a low-pressure warning in the the capsule, uh, warning a signal on the oxygen tank, hydrogen tank, in the Odyssey. Alarms lit up in the Odyssey, and mission control... uh, and in mission control as oxygen pressure uh, began to fall, and their power disappeared. The crew uh, notified mission control, and they said, I'll say the first part, you say the rest, Houston, we got a problem. problem. For re-entry to the Earth's atmosphere, there would be a blackout period, a complete blackout period lasting a few minutes. During the silence, Mission Control petitioned. Apollo 13, this is Houston. Do you read me? And there was no response. Now, if you saw the movie, you saw people all over America looking at TVs and at TVs in store windows and in school rooms, and they're just, they're on edge. No, Nothing as they continued to hear Apollo 13, do you read me nothing for a few minutes? Author Del Tackett comments this way. The Apollo 13 blackout lasted only a few minutes. Imagine 400 years of silence. People saying, Lord, do you hear us? Lord, do you hear? Then the silence was broken. At the right time, God brought forth a son, born of a woman, and fulfilled the promises of the prophecies. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For that silence... To be broken two minutes, three minutes of silence for Apollo 13 was remarkable for the nation. Remarkable. So imagine the angels, imagine Earth having the silence from heaven broken. All of a sudden, we're going to hear from God, and this is how it happens. In the sixth month. Now, the sixth month is referring to Elizabeth and John, to her miraculous birth, because she's a very, very old woman. And this happened before in history. God has blessed very old women with children. I know most of you over the age of six are like, no, no, thank you, God. <laughs> okay, but, but for God, God's like, okay, this is going to happen this way. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's virgin's name was Mary. Now, this is, don't don't go past this too fast, okay? Because here's how I imagine it goes. Gabriel was sent from God, okay? That's sort of the, the big piece. Sent from God, from heaven. Okay? Where was he sent? Well, to Galilee. Sent to Galilee. And if you said, where in Galilee? Oh, he was sent to Nazareth. Okay. Galilee, Nazareth. To who? Oh, to a virgin. Well, there's a lot of virgins in Galilee, in Nazareth. Well, she was a virgin... Betrothed to man. Well, there's a lot of those, too. A lot of virgins. Betrothed to man. Okay. Well, his name was Joseph. Oh. Well, I know a couple of Josephs. So who are you talking about, God? Well, I'm talking about the Joseph who is of the house of David. Oh. And what was her name? Oh, her name was Mary. Oh. Do you see how it's working? It's very specific. God just narrows this down. Just narrows it down. And I think what Luke is trying to say from the very beginning is God is very personal. And we we hear this here. He could have said, God sent Gabriel to Mary. But what we see is God narrowing it down right to you. God is personal. God knows every hair on your head. And to those of you who don't have much, God knows when you lost every hair on your head. Okay? God knows where you live. God knows who you love. God knows who you're connected to. The Christmas story is very, very personal. We serve a personal God that can, better than a GPS system, pinpoint who we are, right where we live. No GPS system can tell us who we love, right? Can't tell us who we're going to marry. God knows all that. Knows all of that. Jerry Rice, some of you remember Jerry Rice. He played for the San Francisco 49ers. He is considered by some to be one of the best uh, receivers in the NFL. Interviewers from Black Entertainment Television once asked Jerry Rice, why did you attend a small, obscure university like Mississippi Valley State University? Have you ever heard of it? I haven't. But... He did. And he was a good uh, recruit. He was recruited by everybody. It's in Ida Bena, Mississippi. How many have heard of Ida Bena, Mississippi? Okay, obscure, right? Rice responded this Out of all the big time schools like UCLA that recruited me, Missouri Valley State University was the only school to come to my house and give me a personal visit. The big-time schools sent cards and letters and advertisements, but the only one showed Rice's personal attention was Mississippi Valley State University. How much more important is the personal touch that matters to the heart, soul, and spirit? God that's what this first verse says. God visits us. It's personal. It's real. If you feel like God is just blacked out, like it's an Apollo 13 moment, you need to read the scripture and go, no, God knows where I live. God knows who I love. God knows every hair on my head or when it's fallen out. God knows my name. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time with names. I have to come up with devices to help me remember names. Opening verses, very important. God knows names, every name, Mary's name and your name. And this is what he has to say uh, to Mary. And he came to her and he said, greetings. Now, this is the ESV. The actual Greek word is rejoice. Rejoice, oh favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Rejoice. Why? Rejoice. The blackout is over. Rejoice. God knows your name. Rejoice. God knows who you're betrothed to. And remember, betrothed in those days is the, uh, you're not just engaged. Basically, you are married. You have to get a divorce when you're engaged in that society. You don't live with that person. You live alone with, you live with your parents. Bonnie likes to say, you're, you're married without the benefits of marriage. Okay? So rejoice in all of this. Rejoice that God knows everything about you. But Mary is like greatly troubled. And that word is very interesting. The ancient Greeks used that word to talk about uh, throwing horses into confusion. So imagine horses in a pen and a mountain lion coming down there. What are the horses doing? They're running around like crazy, aren't they? They're naying. They're probably... Stand up on two hooves. I mean, they are going crazy. That's what that word greatly troubled means. It doesn't mean, huh. It doesn't mean, hmm. It means, wow. D- Why? And what's so interesting about this verse is that Mary is not troubled at seeing the angel, is she? Well, she troubled at? She's troubled at the saying. Why would God say this to me? Who am I? Well, God knows where you live, and God knows your name. God knows everything about you, God cares about you. She's probably thinking, wow, who am I? I it makes no sense. But we've already answered it, hasn't we? It's personal. And then she does something very interesting. She's very troubled. She's trying to figure it out. And so what does she do? She tries to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And that word for greeting actually means greeting. So she thinks it out carefully. The word to discern means to think out carefully, to reason thoroughly. She sits down to think carefully, thoughtfully thoroughly about the message from God. She's going to think about what God has to say and what God has to say about her. And so I want you to learn something from Mary. There are so many lessons to learn from Mary. When you are troubled, what should you do? You should sit down and read God's word. Study God's word. Think about God's word. That's what de-escalates you. So if the angel's message was troubling to her, why me? I don't understand this. What's going to happen? Sit down and think about God's word from the angel, but the angel only speaks to her what God has to say. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor and theologian uh, and an anti-Nazi dissident in the days of World War II. He was a key founding member of the Confessing Church the church that did not buy into Hitler's agenda, the church that stood for Christ and for God's word. And he says an interesting thing about reflecting on God's word, that I thought was worthy for us to mention at this time. He says, because I am a Christian, therefore, every day in which I do not penetrate more deeply into the knowledge of God's words, and that's what Mary is doing, She's penetrating deeply into God's word from the angel. In Holy Scripture, is a lost day for me. I can only move forward with certainty upon the firm ground of the word of God. I can only move forward with certainty upon the firm, word, firm ground of God's word. And as a Christian, I learn to know the Holy Scriptures in no other way than by hearing the word preached and by prayerful meditation. We need to learn from Mary. We don't look at the Bible, we don't study the Bible because it's a good idea. We do it because it changes us. It does something to us. And the angel continues. So far, Mary has not said a word. He says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor... Favor is, can be translated grace with God. So that's what it is. You have found grace with God. It's the same word that's used throughout Romans, like in Romans 5.2. Through him, uh, we have obtained access by faith through his grace in which we stand, in which we rejoice in the hope of God. See, that's why the angel says rejoice, because she's receiving God's grace. He's found grace. He's given her grace. And the word "found" doesn't mean she went out seeking God's grace. The word "found" means to find it without seeking." So for instance, uh, up in, we go up we have a house up in Lake Michigan. I go up there and I'm thinking, "Wow, Lake Michigan, certainly there have to be Indians up in this area, right? How is it that Bonnie has spent her whole life up in that area searching for crinoids, little fossils? that she makes uh, necklaces of and bracelets of. She just spent hours looking at the beach, never found an arrowhead, right? Never. I'm thinking, how can that be? So one day I'm on the beach, and I'm thinking about this, and within 15 minutes of that thought, I found an arrowhead. I wasn't searching for one. I just came upon it. Now, theologically doesn't quite happen that way. It's it's a free gift. Mary didn't go out seeking God's grace. God's grace was given to her. In that sense, she found it. It came upon her, or she came upon it. Bonnie could say to me, you know, we went to Princeton, and I found Stuart. (laughs) The problem with that is, I was the one looking for her. But we say that, don't we? God's grace found Mary and blessed her. And the angel says, rejoice. When God's grace comes upon us by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are changed. And the angel knows this. Mary's life is forever changed because God's grace is upon her. God's grace does amazing things in our life. For Mary, she bears the son of God. But God's grace changes all kinds of people. Changes everyone that it touches. So I want you to think of John Newton. You remember John Newton? He lived in 1725 to 1807. He wrote the words to what? Amazing grace. Okay? John Newton Was a slave trader. He was a captain of ships that went back and forth across the Atlantic selling, buying, selling slaves. That is what he did, and he was notorious for it. And then he became a Christian, and he realized that what he was doing was wrong and sinful. And he writes Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. God's grace helped him to understand who he was and who God was and he became a pastor and he became an abolitionist and he was against the slave trade. And then he said an interesting thing. He said, I am not the man I ought to be. I am not the man I wish to be. I am not the man I hope to be. But by the grace of God, I am not the man I used to be. That's God's grace. Changes us. We're not done. I'm not the man I want to be. I'm not the, God, the man I wish to be. I'm not there yet. But by God's grace, I'm not the man I used to be. I don't get angry like I used to. I don't get frustrated like I used to. I don't steal like I used to. I didn't usually steal. That was not me. But... But you're getting the point. I'm not the person I used to be because God's grace comes upon us and changes us. For Mary, it's the birth of the Son of God. That has got to be life-changing. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Now, it's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen to Bonnie. But God changes me. God changed, changed Newton. And this angel, I think, is really excited about this. We'll find out why in a second. And you have to see it written in a certain way. Because if you just see it written out in a paragraph, you kind of miss it. This is what the angel says. He says, and behold, and yeah, it's almost like a kid. You know how kids say things like, and, 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 and. And I went to the store and I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. And listen to the angel. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you will call his name Jesus. Jesus means uh, in, in, uh, in Hebrew, uh, Yeshua, which means Yahweh saves, okay? So she's going, wow, and, and he will be great because he saves, and he'll be called Son of the Most High, again, which is a Hebrew name for uh, El Elyon, which means God Most High. That's what, what it means. And, and there's more, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of David, and, and, and there's more, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and there's more, and, and his kingdom will have no end, and you just hear the excitement from the angel, and, and, and behold, and you shall, and you will be called, and the Lord God in him will reign, and his kingdom will have no end, and, 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 and this is great, and you just hear the angels going, this is fantastic, Mary. Uh, all of heaven is rejoicing, and why is all of heaven rejoicing? because the angels didn't know how it was going to happen or where it has been happening. They were kind of blacked out too. And there's a really interesting verse in 1 Peter about that, which tells us a lot about this passage. And I, I don't have it on the screen. I'll read it to you. It's from 1 Peter 1.12. I should have put it on the screen. It was revealed to them, meaning the prophets. Okay, Peter's talking about the Old Testament prophets. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. Oh, the prophets were going, oh, we're serving somebody yet to come. They didn't know that, but they're figuring it out. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit and sent from heaven. Angels, listen to this, angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. The prophets were talking about him, but they didn't really know what it was all about. God had to reveal some of it. The angels wanted, they just wanted a glimpse, and now they're getting it. Now the angels are seeing it happen, and the angels, well, Gabriel, rejoice. Because you know what Gabriel's doing? He's rejoicing. This is amazing, Mary. This is amazing. Now, the next verses are, are, are also amazing because so far Mary has not said a word, not a word. When you get anxious, maybe you are the kind of person you get really anxious, you get quiet. Maybe. A lot of people when they get anxious, if they get interrupted or disturbed, they get mm, snippy, right? So this is the first words that Mary has. And she says, Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? Now, you got to hang with me in this because I'm going to give you a literal translation, okay? That is correct in, in what it means. But I'm going to give you a literal translation, okay? Um, uh, in a second, I got ahead of myself. I want you to note that Mary hasn't said anything to this point. Scientific American says this, quote, if you're like most people, you have a clear, hands-down, favorite topic for most of your conversations. You know what it is? Yourself. On average, people spend 60% of conversations talking about themselves and the figure jumps to 80% when communicating via social media, on social media platforms such as Facebook or Twitter. Mary has been quiet. She's not talking, and when she does, she does talk about herself, but she's asking the angel, how's it going to happen? So again, I want to learn from Mary. First thing we learned, when you get anxious, when you're just, just beside yourself, turn to God's word. Second thing we learned from Mary, husbands, wives, children, listen. Husbands, listen to your wives. Don't speak about yourself for 60% of the time. Wives, listen to your husband. Children, parents, listen to your children. How many of you guys know who Chuck Swindoll is, just out of curiosity? Chuck Swindoll, very, very good preacher. Um, I think he's retired now but great preacher and and author. And this is what he says about listening. He once found himself with too many commitments in too few days. So he's kind of like Mary, just agitated, right? He got nervous and tense about it. Quote, I was snapping at my wife and our children, choking down my food at mealtimes, and feeling irritated at those unexpected interruptions throughout the day. He recalled his frustration in a book called Stress Fractures, and he continued to speak. Before long, these things turned our home, uh, before long, things turned around our home, uh, started, and I started reflecting on the uh, pattern of my hurry-up style. It was becoming unbearable. I distinctly remember after supper one evening, the words of our younger daughter, Colleen. She wanted to tell me something important, but that uh, that had happened to her at school that day. She began hurriedly, Daddy, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you really fast. Suddenly, realizing the frustration, I answered, Honey, you can tell me, and you don't have to tell me really fast say it slowly I'll never forget her answer then listen slowly <laughs> Mary teaches us that she's stressed like horses going crazy when a predator's nearby and she just listens most of this chapter 1 here is about the angel speaking. She only has a couple lines. Most importantly, we need to listen to God. And to do this, we need to realize what well, we've already learned from Mary. God speaks through his word. We need to discern God's word. We need to think about carefully. We need to th- reason through it. People, and this is where we get into this interesting translation. People often confuse what is said here with what Zechariah says. Remember what Zechariah said? People think that they're saying basically the same thing. Zechariah said, How will I know this? Because I am old. My wife is advanced in years. Now Zechariah is struck dumb, right? He can't speak. And people often look at this and say, well, how come Mary gets a pass? Well, she doesn't. Two very different statements, okay? First of all, this is a really literal translation. How will, I come, how will this come to exist? In other words, Mary wants to know how it will come to exist. There's no doubt in her mind that this will happen. None. Zero. It's going to come to exist. It's going to be but given her purity, what's she got to do? That's what she's saying. What do I have to do? Okay, it's going to happen, but um, I've never known a man, which is the Old Testament way of saying I'm a virgin, right? The King James Version actually has it this way, and other versions do. Zechariah, on the other hand, is saying... How am I supposed to know this? Because I'm an old man. How is he supposed to know? Because an angel just told him. (laughs) Do you see the difference? Mary is absolutely convinced it's going to happen. What does she have to do? Zechariah is saying, prove it. And the angel says, okay, you're quiet. Mary is being quiet. She did not need an angel to make her quiet. She's listening. Zechariah is not. He's just out there. He's got something to say. He wants to talk. He's got issues. Mary listens. Which brings us back to her listening. Mary is listening with obedience. That's what listening to God is. If you're going to listen to God, it means listening with obedience. It means trusting what God says to listen to God, is to obey what God says absolutely. And that's hard, isn't it? All right, we're winding up the passage. I mean, Mary said almost nothing, has she? Very little, mostly listening. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born. Remember, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, changes us. Therefore, the, the child will be, born, will be called holy because this is done of the Holy Spirit, the Son of God. And behold, pay attention, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, kind of encouraging her along. And this is a six-month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. I want to just look at what Mary continues to list, learn and what we continue to learn. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. You know, the Holy Spirit comes upon all who believe, right? When we believe, we believe and we pray for the Holy Spirit's presence. The Holy Spirit comes upon us. In Acts 1 8, it happens, it happens throughout the New Testament but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and and to the end of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we change, right? We talked about John Newton changing. And John Newton, the slave trader, becomes an abolitionist because the Holy Spirit came upon and changed who he was. The Holy Spirit can change us. The Holy Spirit can re, uh, do impossible things. The Holy Spirit can restore a broken marriage. You think that's impossible. The Holy Spirit can do that. Holy Spirit can, can bring a lost child home. Prodigal son. Prodigal daughter. The Holy Spirit, through the, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, the Holy Spirit will give us peace in the face of death. We have a husband dying, a wife dying, a child dying. My father died before his mother and it was really hard on her. But you turn to God, you pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit and it makes all the difference in the world. Nothing's impossible for God. say it again, nothing is impossible for God and I bet if I were to talk to you today each one and I said write out one thing that you think is either mm, so unlikely in your life to happen that's impossible and I don't mean like I'll never win the lottery okay God's not in that kind of thing nothing's impossible for God and Mary understands this and this is what she says Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Can you imagine one of your kids saying this to you? Son, go take out the cra- trash and then wax the car. Behold, I'm your servant, Dad. Let it be according to me, according to what? according to your word. I'll listen to you is what she's saying. I am listening to you. I'm going to be obedient. This is incredible humility, is it not? It's never about you. It's never about you. It's always about the Lord and Mary knows this so what are some of my takeaways first takeaway for me you may have other ones these are mine when you are terrified seek God's word but you can substitute terrified when you are worried seek God's word when you are afraid seek God's word study closely God's word It brings peace to our lives. That's not the only reason for it to bring peace to our lives. That's one of the great lessons we learned from Mary because she is terrified. And she spends time studying closely what was just told about God's word. Two, do more listening. Do more listening. To your husband, do more listening to your wife, do more listening with your kids. And let me just say to this to you, parents, you know the time of day kids like to talk? Night. I don't know what it is. Bonnie and I always, even when kids get old, our son's what? Twenty three. And William at midnight will always come upstairs and say, Dad, i got something to talk about. I'm like, no, time for bed. (laughs) But I have to listen. I have to listen. And when it comes to God, we listen with obedience. Don't just read the Bible and say, yeah, I listen to God. No, no, no. You haven't listened to God unless you've been obedient. I used to tell this to my kids when I asked them to do something. I'd say, you know, take out the trash. And then didn't get done. This said, well, I heard what she said. No, you didn't. You heard what I said when you did it. That's actually the Hebrew concept of hearing. You've heard God when you've done it. That means you've heard. My last takeaway. Memorize. Memorize what Mary said. Let it be to me according to your word. When we read scripture and we hear something, we go, let it be to me according to your word. I will listen to you, God. It's not about me, God. It's about you. When you ask me to tithe, guess what I'll do? What? Let it I'll tithe. Now, sometimes people don't know what that is. I remember at Lansing Presbyterian Church, I had a guy come up to me and said, I, I don't know what that is. He wasn't good with numbers. That's okay. I don't know what anybody gives. and He asked me, He normally gave about five bucks a week. I told him what a tithe was. He was like, wow, okay. And it was $40 a week for him. Pretty big difference, isn't it? And he didn't make a lot of money, obviously. And he never missed. Never missed. And if he missed church for some reason, he made sure I know that his tithe was in the offering plate. And I didn't need to know that, but he wanted me to know. Let it be to me, according to your word. I will listen, God, because never about me. Let us pray. We learn so much, Lord, from Mary. We learn what it means to look at your word, and especially when we're distressed and worried We learn to be quiet and to listen and speak only a little. We learn that's never about us. We learn, God, that's always about your word. We learn that we are changed when your Holy Spirit comes upon us. And we are grateful for that. And now, Lord, we pray our other prayers for our church and for our world. We pray for the persecuted church in China. Many protests on the news now. that are going throughout the country. And these people, God, need your help. And the church needs your help. To protect them. We pray for protest and the church in Iran. Iran has a just oh, just phenomenal amount of people coming to Christ. And we pray for them for the protests they have against despotic governments. We pray for our church. We pray for the pastoral search committee. We pray for wisdom and discernment, God. We pray for Noah Copeland's surgery, God. We pray that that would be successful and it would accomplish what's intended to accomplish. We pray you'd lay your hand upon Noah Bring him peace and comfort. Comfort him through the presence of your Holy Spirit. And we also pray for a neighbor named Barry that he would hear the gospel when it's shared with him. We pray, God, we, we give you thanks for Conrad and praise that he is finally going to a solid church. That was a request by someone. And we pray for Mark, Barnes uh, nephew. Being baptized, Mark Mark's just so grateful. This nephew is being baptized, and we thank you for that. Thank you for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.